Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our gospel lesson today is from Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. I invite you to turn with me in your own Bible or in the Bible app on your phone, however you feel so led. There's even Bibles in front of you there in the pew. Luke, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Hear now these words. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house. And there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have come not to the not I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, it is so good to be together today. I give thanks uh, for last weekend. I had an opportunity to be away at a nephew's wedding, and what a joyous time we had with that, and then to get to worship with my father last Sunday at the church that he attends. And, uh, you know, growing up as the son of a Methodist minister, I didn't get to sit with daddy too much in worship. So it's a powerful thing to get to sit beside my father and to, to sing the hymns. And uh, boy, y'all took me down memory lane as we sang Shine Jesus Shine this morning. Uh, it took me back to youth group days. I was wanting to do some of the clapping and motions, but uh, y'all sound good this morning. It's good. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God Almighty, I give thanks for this opportunity that we have to be a part of the body of Christ. Whether it is those that have joined us here in person or those that are worshiping with us online, Lord, speak, for your children are listening. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today, as individuals and collectively, as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Back earlier this year, when we were planning out worship for the year, we, we knew that during the season of the Great 50, the period of 50 days between Easter and Pentecost, we knew we wanted to do a worship series that focused on some of the meals that Jesus shared. So much of the preaching and teaching that Jesus did and lessons took place around the table. And so we tried to brainstorm some ideas of being able to talk through each of those Sundays between Easter and Pentecost, some of those meals and taking a look at them. And we had just come up with the idea, we, I think our first 
name of the sermon series, which we're always trying to come up with catchy sermon series names. I'm sure that's why you come, right? Because the <laughs> name of the series or the sermon title catches you. Uh, that's probably the reason. Uh, so we try to be clever sometimes. And we had put in our online document that we share called, uh, we just wrote Eating with Jesus. Something about that, it just didn't really stick. And so as we kept getting closer and closer to this time, we, we thought, well, maybe we'll look at something else. Maybe we thought about dining with Jesus. But that kind of sounded you know, formal dining. This is our dining room. And so, I don't know, something about that didn't resonate. We thought at the table, we just couldn't settle on anything. So I'm going to pull back the veil just for a minute and let you know, at staff meeting one day, we were in there and we were talking about it once again about what are we going to call this sermon series? And Sarah, our associate pastor of youth, who's at a continuing education event this weekend, Sarah said, you know what? I'll check with chat GPT. Any of you ever heard of chat GPT? It's that artificial intelligence that on, online that you can go in and you can put in the information and it begins to spit out information for you. Some people, uh, they're saying that some are using it to write papers, to turn into school, do homework. I, I've even read articles that there are ministers that are using chat B, PT, GPT for their sermon writing. I can assure you, you'll know as this goes on, this was not done by chat GPT. <laughs> Uh, and, in fact, artificial intelligence is barely any intelligence in this one at all. So, uh, as Sarah put in, uh, in chat GPT, she went online on her phone, and she put in eating with Jesus. And this is what it came up with. Feasting with Jesus. We like that. But then the subtext there, exploring transformative meals with Christ. I wish I had come up with that. <laughs> That was a chat GPT idea, but we liked it, and so we stuck with it. Because really, each one of these meals, it's about a transformation that takes place at that meal. Something happens. Somebody is transformed. And, and all of this talking made me think about those memorable meals that I have experienced in my life where a transformation might have taken place within me. I remember reminded that when I was a boy and my dad was serving a church in Newburn, North Carolina, one of the families in the church had invited us to their home one evening for supper. And as we got there, it was such a neat thing because he was an FBI agent and, and I was like, he was big and tall. And long story short, he eventually became a United Methodist pastor, Bob Shields, and has served here in North Carolina for many years. And, but it was so neat to go to their house. We're going to the FBI house. He's the good guy that gets the bad guys. And I was wanting to see his guns. I mean, it was, I was, you know, enthralled with it. I had seen enough on TV. I was enthralled with it until we sat down at the table and I saw directly in front of me was a platter of raw meat, raw steak cut up into cubes. Now, I didn't realize we were getting ready to have fondue. I didn't know what fondue was, but I knew I fondant going to do that. I was not going to eat. I turned to my mom, and I said loud enough for anybody in the room to hear, I don't care what you say. I'm not eating any of that. Now, I did. If you don't know fondue, you cook it in the pot that's brought out and put before you. I ate it, but I was transformed because I knew I was always been a picky eater. I always, I still am. I wish I wasn't. But I still am a picky eater. But I knew to be able to begin to trust. Trust the food that's put before me. Trust that it's been put with love in front of me. Uh, just trust the chef. 
And in fact, that was lived out again just a few short years ago. There's a restaurant in Kinston, North Carolina, called Chef and the Farmer. Have any of you ever heard of that? I know, I know Judy's been. Uh, Chef and the Farmer in Kinston, North Carolina. It's owned by Vivian Howard, Chef Vivian, who she grew up in that part of the state, in Lenora County. And as she grew up there, she went off to New York, got all this culinary training. She's been on TV shows. She's had her own TV show, written cookbooks. But she wanted her, the opportunity to come back home. And so her father helped her come back home and to start this restaurant, Chef and the Farmer. And it's farm to table almost every Everything they serve is locally grown and resourced, and it is such a draw. People come from all over to eat at that restaurant. My son Aaron used to work there as a waiter, and he would meet people who came to Kinston, North Carolina, just to eat at Chef and the Farmer. Well, somebody in one of the churches I served gave me a gift certificate to get to go eat at Chef and the Farmer. Now, I'm a typical meat and potatoes kind of guy. I've tried to expand my palate a little bit, but I was not sure what I was going to eat at Chef and the Farmer because Chef Vivian comes up with so many unique creations. And so I went online before Jennifer and I got our reservation and went. I went online to look at the menu, and it changes very frequently. And so I looked at the menu, and I thought, I don't know what in the world I'm going to eat. I can't pronounce half the things on this menu. I, don't, I had to look up online what some of the other things were. But I did lock in on one menu item that I thought, I, I think I can do that. It was described as having pulled pork, sweet potato, and lasagna. Now, I like all three of those things. I thought, well, that's a unique combination. I don't think I would ever on one platter have pulled pork, sweet potato, and lasagna. But I guess that's the only thing I can eat, so I'll go for it. And so Jennifer and I, the big day came. We, we probably ordered an appetizer. I don't remember that so much, probably because I didn't eat it. Uh, Jennifer probably had some of it, but it was some of that stuff that I didn't even know what it was. So it came time. I placed my order for the pulled pork, sweet potato, and lasagna, and I waited. And what they brought before me was not what I had expected. See, I, as a kid, I didn't even like my food touching and so I pictured, in my mind, pulled pork, divided, sweet potato, divided, lasagna, divided. No, instead, what I got was pulled pork, sweet potato, lasagna. It was all together. All, I mean, forget touching. I mean, it was all together, pulled pork, sweet potato, lasagna. And I'm telling you what, I told Jennifer, I said, I'm glad this is a gift certificate because it ain't costing me nothing. I ain't eating that. <laughs> And Jennifer said, you will eat it. <laughs> Just try. I, I did say at the first service, I said, I, I put it that Jennifer said, oh, just try it. And people that know my wife said, oh, yeah, that's not what she said. <laughs> so I got my knife, my fork. I prayed, Lord, bless this food that I'm about to try to eat. And I took a bite, and it was like heaven. All the flavors, I mean, crazy things brought together. I, who would have thought pulled pork, sweet potato, and lasagna would make such a delicious meal? But it was incredible. In fact, we ate there another time. And once again, I was doing my thing, trying to eat this and then eat that. And, and it really wasn't that good. And I was like, you know, Chef Vivian's kind of let me down this time. But Jennifer reminded me to try it all together. And it put it all together, these unique flavors that make something special. And I learned, I was transformed from those experiences. To trust, trust the chef. 
It may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to the chef that's bringing it all together. Trust the chef. That transformation took place in me, and I'm still learning. I'm still trying. I may not always get it right. I try to trust the one that is bringing the meal. These weeks between Easter and Pentecost, we are looking at these meals where a transformation takes place. A transformation of the people that are with Jesus. We started off that first Sunday after Easter and we saw a transformation take place between the two followers of Jesus in Emmaus. As they had been on the road and encountered Jesus and lamenting about all that had happened and questioning Jesus began to teach, and they stopped for a meal once they arrived in Emmaus. And as they shared in the meal, they were transformed. That meal was transformational for them. They were transformed from followers to becoming believers. Last week, Pastor Corey brought us the message that reminded us about Simon Peter taking his friends along to go fishing. Even though they had experienced the risen Christ, he was going back to what he had always known. Maybe he was still saddled guilt and shame but there Jesus met them on the beach making breakfast and as Simon Peter ran out of the boat through the water to Jesus he had the opportunity to be transformed transformed from one who was riddled, riddled by guilt and shame and transformed into one that has been set free Today we're looking at another, let's say, an interesting character, but I want to set the table first. In Luke chapter 5, the chapter begins with Jesus uh, is surrounded on the waterside by people. People are pressing in as he's beginning. This is early in his ministry. And as people are pressing in, he sees that there are two boats on the side of the shore. And so he gets into one of the boats and he asks them to go out, push out just a little bit. And from that boat, he has a better vantage point, and he's able to begin to, to teach and to speak to the crowd that is gathered and assembled. Simon Peter's boat is the one that, well, Simon is the one whose boat he's in at this point. And Simon's washing the nets, and as Jesus observes that which is going on around him, he says, let's, let's push out into the deep. Why don't you cast your net to the side of the boat? Simon says, Lord... We have been fishing all night long and have not caught anything. But because you said so, we'll do it. Cast the net. And almost immediately, those nets are full. Those nets that were being washed are now almost breaking as they're trying to haul in all the fish. He, they call for the friends on the other boat to come out to help them. And Simon Peter realizes that this is something miraculous that has taken place. And he falls down right there on the boat, falls down at Jesus' feet. Lord, go away, for I am a sinner. And Jesus says, be not afraid. I will make you a fisher, a fisher of people. And it says that when they got the boats to the shore, Simon Peter and those that were with him left everything behind and followed him. You know, in my mind, I picture those fish in the net still flopping around. Somebody had to tend to those, but... They didn't just leave flopping around fish. They left the nets. They left the boats. They, they left it all behind to follow him. And oh, I'm sure they were thrilled to be able to leave it all behind because as they have left, then they encounter a leper. A leper who throws himself on the ground before Jesus. He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. And Jesus does something remar remarkable. He touches the leper. I, I don't know that I would. He touches the leper. He says, be clean. 
He's made well. Oh, they witnessed this, and that had to bring to mind for Simon how just previously in the chapter before, we had learned about how Jesus was at Simon's house, and and Simon's mother-in-law was ill and sick, but Jesus healed her. So now, Simon Peter, he's seen the healing of his mother-in-law. He's seen now the healing of this leper. And then Luke continues the narrative and he tells the story about Jesus' teaching in a house. We don't know which one, whose house it was, but it was a house that had a holy roof. Because that's where the friend, the, the paralyzed man was brought by his friends who tore a hole in the roof and then lowered him and Jesus healed him. Once again, they're experiencing incredible things. They're seeing, witnessing amazing things. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they're probably beginning to really pursue coming around because Jesus has been teaching in the synagogues and they know something's going on and they want to find out more about it. So then we get to our passage today. It says that Jesus is walking along and he sees Levi, a tax collector, sitting at his booth. Now, Tax or toll collectors, they were despised by Gentiles or Jews. Everybody hated the tax collectors. They were despised because they were notorious for taking advantage of people. They were notorious for abusing their power. Imagine that. People with power abusing their power. In fact, we get a picture about how much tax collectors were thought of, how, how little people thought of them. When we look back at John at Luke chapter 3, in Luke chapter 3, we've got John the Baptist is out in the wilderness. He's proclaiming a message of repentance for all people, and people are being drawn to him. People, all sorts of people are being drawn out into the wilderness for a baptism of repentance. And so as people are being drawn to him, Luke 3 records that some of the crowd asked, what should we do? And John replied to them, whoever has two coats must share one with anyone that has none. And whoever has food must do so likewise. And even the tax collectors to be baptized, they asked him, teacher, what should we do? And John gives us insight into why they were despised so much. Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. You can imagine this. Luke makes a point to record John addressing the tax collectors. It's kind of his way of saying, even those people, the tax collectors have come. And just to emphasize how much they were looked down upon, John the Baptist then addresses, as Luke records it, a soldier. Soldiers who asked him, and what should we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. Again, tax collectors and soldiers, they were despised. They were despicable people. And so we get back to Luke 5. Jesus sees Levi sitting at his tax booth, the toll booth. And he says to Levi sitting behind that booth, you better quit doing all that stuff. You better quit stealing from all the people. You better turn your life around and get it together and then come and follow me. Now, it... If you were reading along with me this morning, you know that's not what Jesus said. Jesus simply said two words to this tax collector. One that had likely been abusing his power to leading to great wealth for himself. Jesus says two words to him. Follow me. And you know what Levi does? He gets up. He leaves everything. 
I mean, this tax booth, this is where people come to pay their taxes. It's where they come to pay their tolls. It's where they come to pay a tax on how many fish they caught. It's where they come and pay the taxes for the roads. It's where they come and they have to pay their taxes. He leaves it all behind, much like Simon left the boat and the net and the fish. He leaves it all behind to go and to follow him. And the scripture then says, not just to follow him, They went to Levi's house, and Levi had probably accumulated a great deal of wealth himself. And he throws a great banquet. Oh, I can picture this banquet. There's got food, probably uh, pulled pork, sweet potato, lasagna. He's No, not that. Not in that day and time. Uh, Especially not the pork. But they've got the food. They've got the drink. They're celebrating. They're celebrating. And Jesus is with them. What kind of people are there? What kind of people are there filling this household? Well, Luke answers that for us. Lots of tax collectors. (laughs) Why would it be tax collectors that would be gathered at Levi's house? Well, birds of a feather flock together. (laughs) Nobody else wants to be around the tax collectors, so they join together. They have their own sort of family. And so they gather, and that's who Jesus is eating with. Well, the whole crowd around, all people are drawn to this party, this celebration, this banquet that is going on, and they want to see what is going on. And the, the scripture tells us that the Pharisees and the scribes, they see what's going on. Well, they see Jesus. Well, he's with those. He's with those people. And so the scripture says that they ask the disciples, Jesus' disciples, why do you eat? And drink with tax collectors and sinners. Why do you eat with those people? I mean, Pharisees, they believed in being able to separate things out. They they themselves were the righteous in their minds. They had studied the law. They knew the law. They were obedient to the law as much as they could. And they wanted to make sure that you knew the law and were obedient to the law as much as you could. And they believed in separating out different groups. That's not who Jesus was. Jesus hears the question that they've asked the disciples. And I love how it says that Jesus responds, not the disciples. Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want to put it in a different way. I think that Jesus was kind of saying, I've come not to call those that think that they're righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. See, the Pharisees didn't think that Jesus should be with somebody like that. Why would he be eating and drinking with them? They're sinners. <laughs> They're those people. And they themselves can't see that they too are those people. See, Jesus, Jesus met Levi right where he was. He met and he led with grace. He led with grace and he associated with him. And then because of that relationship that was built, because he led with this love, when he led with this grace, Levi was able to repent, turn his life around to change all things within him. So many times I think that we ourselves think that we've got to get our lives together. We've got to be all put together before we can be in that relationship with Jesus Christ. And the thing is, Jesus calls us into the relationship. And that relationship is where we're then made right. We've got to meet people right where they are. Those people 
others, people that aren't like us. We've got to lead with that grace which Christ has led with us, to us. I read a quote by Lisa Turkhurst that says, When to give grace, I'd rather stand before God knowing that I loved others too much rather than regretting that I judged too harshly. I'd rather stand before God knowing I loved others too much rather than regretting that I judged too harshly. I believe this message, I believe, calls us to two things. First of all, I believe it's calling, it calls us to lead with grace. To all those people that might be different than us, all those people that might be those others, those people that we might be so tempted to look down upon, those people that are separated from us, I believe we are called to lead with grace. Meet them right where they are. To take that first step so that they might be willing to take the next, leading into repentance. I mean, every time we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, we are reminded that Christ our Lord invites to a table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. That invitation is a call for us to be in that relationship with Christ, which then leads us into a time of repentance, which leads us to live in peace and harmony with one another. I believe that's what God is calling us to. And I think that's what he models in meeting Levi right there at the tax booth. That's the first thing I think it's calling us to. Second thing is for, for some of us, sometimes we don't feel worthy. We don't feel worthy of that. Maybe we feel like we've got to turn our lives around. Maybe we are like Peter on the boat, falling down at the feet of Jesus saying, Get away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Maybe he wants to try to get his life together before he seeks to follow him. But that's not the way that it is. Jesus calls him, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that proves God's love for us. We are worthy because we're unworthy. That's why Christ died. He didn't die because you were righteous. He died because we were sinners. And we've got to trust the chef. He brings us all together, this crazy group of ingredients. He brings it all together so that we can do kingdom work with him. Christ has come, and he's calling you to follow him. May we leave it all behind as we follow him. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the incredible ways that your love has been made known to us. Whether it's through the fellowship and association with brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe it's been known through acts of kindness and generosity, meals at a table. Lord, in so many ways, you show us your love. I give thanks that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, God, I pray that we might hear that call to follow, follow him. And we'd be willing to go. Recognizing that we are beloved in your sight. And as we are beloved, Lord, I pray that we would answer that call to go forth. To go to others who do not yet know that you are willing to love them right where they are. 
right where they are. And in that relationship, as it is built, a transformation takes place. So, Lord, you might still be working on that transformation within us. So help us. Help us so that we might truly represent you to the world wherever we may go. So, Lord, we pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.